we welcome everyone back from quite a vacation that we've had over uh, the summer, Yom Noraim. We're back uh, and stronger, Mitz Hashem. So this year's Shiram are sponsored by, um, by the Eisenbergs, Terry and Dennis Eisenberg. We thank them very much. We, miss them much. we wish them much blessing, bracha, hatzlacha. We thank them for their sponsorship. We also are uh, excited to start a whole new series of Shiurim. Today we're going to start with a topic that's a, quite a serious one. We'll jump right in. And that's what we call the topic of Chayisha. We'll spend a week or two on this topic, and then we'll probably get into uh, some of uh, Hilcha Shabbos, which I've been requested to talk about for some time this year. Um, in this particular uh, Shaila, it's Halacha Lamaisa, probably for everyone at some point in their lives. Um, well, hopefully not, but it often is uh, with different medical shadows that come up either for oneself or for a family member, and that's the topic of Chaye Shah. Um, for us, I remember it was probably about 20, 25 years ago, my uncle was very sick, and uh, at some point the doctors really did not know what was going on. They, they could not uh, diagnose properly what his illness was, and he was already uh, slipping into a very bad state. He went from weighing 220 pounds to 130 pounds. It wasn't, it was, it was, it was in a very, and, and they really had to do some type of exploratory surgery. And they said, without the surgery, we're just not going to be able to heal them. We have to find out what's going on. Even though they did many tests beforehand, they didn't conclusively know and have a direction to go in terms of a treatment. So they told us that, um, you know, he can live uh, at this rate, the way he's going for not much longer, a month, two months, three months. But if we do the surgery, it's possible that he could, uh, he could, we could find out what, what the issues are. And we can deal with it more effectively, and he can live another uh, 10 years. In the end, he did live another 10 years. Not because of the surgery necessarily, but he did live another 10 years. But at the same time, they told us there's a 50-50 chance that he might die on the operating table. It was such a serious surgery. They opened him up. They didn't know if he was strong enough. They didn't know if he'd be able to make it. 50-50 chance. 50-50 chance he can die. And, uh, but at the same time, there was a 50-50 chance, a 50% chance, that not only could he uh, live another few months, but then he'd be able to live for hopefully another uh, few years, even longer. This is what we call the topic of Chayisha. When someone has a short amount of time to live, of course, Rabban Shalom does miracles. Sometimes I know someone else. I'm sure you know people like this too. The doctors told this particular person he was going to die within a few weeks, and he's still going strong. That was about 35 years ago. So there are many, uh, so there, but the, the Lamaisa we follow, uh, doctors generally, uh, you know, make their assessments based on the information that they have in front of them, which is the best information that we have, and therefore we have an obligation to listen to them. So if they tell us, listen, a person, you only have Chayisha, you see the person's getting weaker. The person's walking around strong, he's doing great, and the doctors say you have a month to live, you have to figure out, well, why? You have to give me a, a logical reason, but assuming that the, the information is correct, you have a month, two months, three months to live, that's what we call chayisha. Chayisha. It's it's not a long uh, a long lifespan that's left, but it's uh, it's still life. And at the other hand, chayy olam is what we would call. Again, we're going to get into specific details hopefully next week. But here we're just discussing the major uh, fundamentals of the of the topic. Uh, chayy olam means that you're going to live. A person's going to live as long as they can live. And you know, a person's 117 years old. You have to assume there's only Chayisha left anyway, right? So maybe for him, the decisions would be different. I'm not sure. Sometimes you find someone's over 100 years old, he's stronger than people who are 80. You, know, you, ever, find, you ever see such a thing? Like people are, well, the Gemara says, once you've, uh, once you've made it that long already, we can assume you're going to keep going. I'm not sure if that's a Gemara or somewhere else I heard that, but either way. So the topic actually comes up, Halach in our lives all the time. By the way, that decision with my uncle fell to my, to my father. My father and, and his brother, they were the older brothers of this, of this uncle of mine who was never married. 
So it was their decision that the brothers had to make the decision, and they made the decision that they uh, the doctors thought it was a good idea to have the surgery, otherwise he was going to slip away. And he had the surgery. In the end, he was he lived for another ten years. So what is it? What do you look for? What do you look? We, we need we need a source. We need some sources. We need some magoros to help us. It's a very serious. We have some, we need some sources in the Gemara and the in the Chumash to help us deal with these serious uh, serious situations. So uh, the Rishonim, uh, and more uh, importantly, the Achronim, find the Gemara that actually deals with this situation pretty much head on. If you take a look in front of the Vodazor Adaf Chavzayin Amad Beis, the Gemara says as follows, it wasn't uncommon that uh, there were doctors in the days of, uh, of lore of 2,500 years ago, where you had doctors who were pagan doctors who were absolute rabid anti-Semites. And if they can get their hands on a, on a Jew in their office, he wouldn't come out alive. You know? The Gemara even says you can't go to a pagan who's a, who's a, who's a, who's a barber. Because uh, if you put your head back to, you know, to shave a little bit uh, you know, by the neck uh, or, or, to, or, to, or, to, or to cut your hair, he would, he would slit your throat. Unless he's a public what? What? Unless he's a public barber, then he's worried about No, I think, but you have to figure out exactly the details. But there were situations where we were, we were very nervous about uh, taking uh, the services, for receiving services from pagan doctors who were terrible anti-Semites. And if they had their opportunities, they would, they would kill the Jew. So the Gemara here in Avodah Zorah talks about such a situation. You go to a doctor, he's a pagan, and he has a tremendous uh, anti-Semitism that's uh, probably been breeding for many generations. So you're allowed to go to such a doctor. I mean, you're going to, you have a sore throat, you're going to end up with, you know, might as well live with the sore throat than going to such a doctor with this esophic pikoach nefesh mamish. It's so for us to imagine such a situation. Maybe it's not, but that's what they were living with. So the Gemara says, Sovik high, Sovik mace, Amos Rapman. If you have a situation where uh, you're sick and you don't know what the story is, you're talking about 2,500 years ago, are you going to die from the sickness? You're not going to die from the sickness? I don't know, I'm sick. What's going to happen? Who knows? So the Gemara says, Well, then don't go to this doctor because this doctor is probably, you know, you have a better chance of living if you don't go to the doctor than if you do go to the doctor. But now the Gemara says as follows, Vadai Mace, if you can see, based on the information that you have, that you're definitely going to die. From the illness that you have, this is an illness, y- y- your father had the illness, your grandfather had the illness, they all died from this illness. So if you don't go to the doctor and get treated, you're for sure going to die. So then you can go to the pagan doctors, and at least there's a chance, there's a chance that he'll, that'll save you. Maybe he'll be someone who, uh, who won't, who won't, that every pagan doctor was uh, committing uh, murder but some of them were so it was a suffix so the Gemara says Vada Mace Misrapim Vada Mace if you're definitely going to die Misrapim now you're definitely going to die what does it mean you're definitely going to die you're not going to die this second it means you're definitely going to die from this illness when I don't know a day two days a week three weeks the Gemara doesn't say the Gemara doesn't say but the Gemara does say what about the fact that you're not going to die to this moment if you're going to die this moment of course you can go to any doctor even if it's a danger to go to this doctor. And by the way, once we're talking about doctors, forget about pagan doctors, let's talk about very potent medicines. You know, you're definitely going to die today. So the doctor says, you can take this very potent medicine, you can die from such this, this medicine. It hasn't been proven yet. It's an experimental procedure, experimental medicine. You can die literally fast from this medicine. But yeah, but I'm dying, I'm dying now anyway, so what's the difference? Then everybody agrees that you can take the medicines. You're going to die now anyway. So what do you have to lose? But let's say you're going to live another month or two. That's what the Gemara asks. You can go to the pagan doctor. He may save you or he may kill you. So either you'll die now or you'll die in 20 years from there after the doctor gives you and treats you properly and you die a natural death. So you have 
this exact situation that we were discussing before. You have a situation where you're definitely going to die from this illness, but not now. You're going to die within the next few months, next few weeks, next few months. Or you can go to this doctor, take this treatment, have this operation, go through this procedure, which may kill you. This is exactly what happened to my uncle, right? Doctor said, the uncle's going to live another month or two. You have another month or two. Or they can have this operation. You can go to this pagan doctor. You can take this medicine. It's the same situation. Pagan or non-Jew? What? What? Pagan or non-Jew? No, pagan. In those days it was, no, I don't think it was, again, many of the non-Jews were pagan. But again, I'm not saying this applies today. I'm saying back then, the Metzius was that the pagans were anti-Semites. They were going to kill a Jew if they, if they had the opportunity. Could so, you also Oh, that's what we're talking about right now. That's what we're going to have to discuss them. The four guys. That's exactly what the Gemara says next. The Gemara says, So what about the Chayi Show? How can you go to this, how do you, how can you go to this doctor and have this, have this treatment where you may, he may save you, but he may, he may kill you on the, right there, but you, can, you have another three months to live. What about the three months? Don't tell me we don't care about a short span of life. We care very much about a sp- short span of life. So the Gemara says, um, Even if he's definitely going to die, he's going to die soon, but not now. So what about that What about that short amount of lifespan that the person still has? How do you have a right to put that in danger? So the Gemara says something pretty unbelievable. The Gemara says, We don't care about Chayishah. How, you, how long are you going to live? Two months? Three months? That's not important to us. Really? I thought every moment... I, I, I was brought up. Every moment's important. Right? What does it mean? Are we, let's say a person is very, very sick. And for sure, the pers- for sure the person's going to die. You're a doctor and you know the person's going to die. And now... And the person's in the house and he starts... He starts... He's on the throes of death. You know, there's not that much. Are you Michal Shabbos for such a person? You know he's going to die. But you may, how long can you extend his life for? A minute? Five minutes? Maybe? And what kind of life quality is he going to have anyway? Not a very good quality of life. So are we Michal Shabbos for a very short, very low quality of life? What's the, what's the answer? Everybody knows. Of course we are. Of course we are. A ghostess, we would treat also. I think we would treat a ghostess. You're not a touch a ghostess if you're not a doctor treating him. Because what are you going to do? You're going to kiss a ghostess. You're going to you're going to you're going to hasten the death. But but if you're a doctor and, and you think there's something to do, so then of course you touch a ghost. The doctors don't say hands off by a ghostess. Doctors keep pumping until the last moment, unless there's nothing. If there's nothing you can do, and the doctors say there's nothing I can do, then you're not allowed to touch a ghostess because you're hastening the death. But if, but, if, but, if you're, but if you're, I remember when I was, I still remember this, you can imagine things, certain things stay with you. I think I've mentioned this story before, that I was in Borough Park, davening in my shul, on 18th Avenue and 49th Street, and Mr. Fuchs, right behind me, died during Oz Yashir. Uh, I was probably about 15 years old. Literally, how do I know he died? Well, first of all, he died. That's how I know he died. But I know he died later. I know later that he had died, it's because there was a doctor in the, in the shul. And the doctor told me the next day that uh, he was sitting next to someone, and the doctor said, uh, th- this person said to him, hey, you know, doctor, you know, Fuchs doesn't look good. And he looked up and he says, Fuchs is dead. Like literally. No, he said, Fuchs is dead. He died. You can tell. I guess he was grayish, whatever it was, whatever. So, they, so, so what did he do? 
He didn't call, he didn't call the, uh, the cemetery. Hatzalah came and they tried to revive him. He, he, so, and he said, I guess you, I guess, I don't know what the word is. Um, clinically, he was, he had died. They revived him. Now, of course, that's always a question. In halacha, we like to ask that question. When someone's, when we say that someone's clinically dead and you revive him, is that, so is that a, igloy muslim afreya? Is that a retroactive, um, revelation that he was never really dead? Or do we say, of today, can you imagine? There's such a thing called a person's clinically dead, stop breathing, right? You know, and then you, you can give him whatever you can get, you can treat him, and you bring him back. It's mamish And of course, if that was true, you know what that means. He has to marry his wife again, maybe. There's a lot of interesting, interesting, funny shilas that often come up, not so halacha lamaisa. Believe it or not, this there's, there's, is halacha lamaisa in, in certain situations, like with organ donation. What do you say about an organ donor? So can, a Kohen is going to get an organ of a, of, a, of, a, of a mace. So let's say, let's say it's not, it's not uh, you know, Koch Nefesh. But he, he needs an organ of a certain mace. So can that organ be transplanted onto him? It's from a mace. Or do we say that the organ actually has when it's added or appended or, or, you know, into the new person. So there are interesting, funny shows about Tchiyas HaMesim. I don't think that we're there yet. We're not by Tchiyas HaMesim just yet. We still should say the second Barach of Shemona Okay? So it happens that someone... So, so you still Mechal HaShavah for Mr. Fuchs. And by the way, they revived him. He died three days later. It's a big mitzvah. I don't even know if he was conscious for three days. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But uh, he, he was for three days. So what is he going to mean? That's a very funny line. So probably what it means, and not probably what it means, definitely what it means, is that, of course, Chayisha is very important, fundamentally important. Every moment of life is important. And will be Mechal Shabbos for a moment of life. It means, in the context that we're talking about, where you have, on the one hand, the possibility of Chayi Olam, the risk of dying immediately, but the possibility of Chayi Olam against Chayisha. You understand the two sides. Either you're going to die within a few months, or you have this risk, right? Are you, are you a risk taker? Are you a betting man or not? So, or you have this 50, let's say it's a 50-50 chance, just like they literally said about my uncle, 50-50 chance. That's what they said. We don't know. We're going to do our best. 50-50 chance on the operating table. So there, it's 50-50. He might die immediately, but you have the possibility of living for quite a long time. So in that context, we don't have to worry about Chayisha. Because if you did have to worry about Chayisha, if Chayisha was fundamental in that context, you would have no right to take the risky, go forward with the risky procedure operation. Because it can kill you immediately. How can you, how can you risk Chayisha? The answer is Chayisha lo Chayshinon against the possibility of Chayolam. Even if it's not a definite Chayolam, it's a possible Chayolam. Now, we have to discuss at some point, not yet, maybe next week, we'll have to get into it, into the details, we'll get to it next week. Now, we're just discussing, discussing the broad stroke of the, of the topic, is that, what's Chayesha, what's Chayolam? You have to discuss, you're going to die within three months, and you can have an operation that might give you an extra two months. Again, I don't even know if those things exist in the medical world, but you can imagine, let's just imagine if it did, I don't know, they're both Chayesha. Can you risk Chayesha for a longer Chayesha? And then the question is, um, what's, uh, you know, what's Chay Olam? You know, and what's Chay Yisho also? Like, Chay Olam, does it have to be a, a definite? Let's say, let's say the risk is not a 50-50 chance. This operation is definitely going to kill you. There's a slight chance that you'll live. If you make it through, you can live a long time. 
But the doctors are saying this is this this drug is so potent that the chances are you're going to die from it. But it's a slight possibility you can live. Can you then risk Hayashon? Or how far can you go? Does it have to be what we call a Suffolk Hashakal? Suffolk Hashakal means it's a 50-50. It's, a, it's an even, an even, an even uh, risk. Let's say it's not an even risk. Now, you can imagine if the doctors would tell you, listen, if you have this operation, you have 99% chance that you're going to live. And you're like, no, I don't want to take that chance. I'm, I'm, I was never into gambling. And my seven months with my family... Is when I can't say I'll wait six and a half months and then have the operation because at that point you're too weak to have the operation then you're definitely going to die but if you have it now then you have it now there's a very strong chance you're going to live for a long time so do you have, a, do you have the right to say I'm not interested I know there's a 99% chance I'm going to live but there's a 1% chance that I won't and I, and I have to have the operation this week I have too much I have too much to do you know in the six months I've, I have too many people to, to talk to and to speak to and tell them I love them pay back my debts you know I, I can't I don't have I, I need six months I can't take a shot I can't, I'm not interested in taking a shot do you have so we have to start weighing the different risk options that, that are out there right so look before we get into those details let's look at the source the Gemara says how do you know that you're allowed to risk Chayisha for the possibility of Chayol how do you know that so Lenny alluded to it before but not Tamra the Chayisha lo Chayshinen how do you know that you're not concerned about Chayisha because it, since there's a possibility of Chayol the Gemara says the Ksiv listen to this line it quotes a Pasuk im armaru navo ha'ir v'harav ba'ir umas nesham im armaru navo ha'ir v'harav ba'ir umas nesham what is that talking about? It's talking about a posik in Malachim Bey's Paragzayin. Malachim Bey's Paragzayin tells of a story. Not a story. tells of a situation. that takes place about uh, 2,500, maybe 3,000 years ago. No, more than 2,500, but about 3,000 years ago. Where you had, uh, you know, if you read, uh, say, for Shoftim, Shmuel, Malachim, a lot of wars going on in Eretz Yisrael and around Eretz Yisrael. So there was a time when there was a king of Aram, Hadad ben Aram, who, um, who laid siege to the city of Shamron in Eretz Yisrael. And, uh, and they're star- he's starving them out. He's starving them out. The people are dying. There's no food. It's a- an absolute dire situation. Turns out that there are four men, nameless. The, the Torah, the, 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 the Nach does not tell us who these people are. If you take a look at Malachim Beis Perakzai, the second Maramakam, Vyarba Anashim Mitzorayim, Pesach Hashar, there were four Mitzorayim, they were literally by the gate of the city. Why were they by the gate of the city? Why are they not in the city? Because Metzora can't be in the city. Metzora can't be in any city. No, Metzora can't be in a walled city. Now it's just, it can't just be outside Yerushalayim. It has to be outside Yerushalayim. And any walled city, the first Mishnah, the first Perak in Mesech the Kalim tells us a Metzora has to be outside any walled city. Of course, it was a walled city of the time of Yeshua bin Nun. The assumption here is that this city, Shamron, was walled from the time of Yeshua bin Nun, which is not so, so accurate, so which... The Mephoshim was trying to figure out, so why did they have to be outside the city? That's not for now. But they were outside the city. The siege is going on. There's a siege. And uh, they're, they're outside, but they're, they're still far enough away from Machna Aram. That's the, the enemy uh, siege. That they're, they're not, they're, they can't be seen. But they realize they're all starving. There's no food in the city. There's no food outside the city. No one from the, in the city is bringing them food by the gate, outside the gate. Everybody's starving. They're saying as follows. Listen, like this, we're for sure going to die. No food for sure going to How long can you go without any food? Right? So the, so the, the Nach says, these four men were standing, were by, this, by the gate. So they, they, told, they, they, they told each other, listen, we have to do something now. I mean, you can't just, we can't stay like this. 
Right? I mean, you have uh, situations in the Holocaust where they were in, in the ghetto. They were starving. They had nothing to eat. So they took risks. They, 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 they tried to sneak out to bring food back into the ghetto. Otherwise, they for sure would die. Uh, they put themselves at risk. That's it's a similar situation. Well, we're going to stay here until we die. We're just going to die. So look at the, this is the pasuk exactly here that the Gemara quotes. If we just go into the city, it's true, it's all right. We're not allowed in the city, but in a famine, we're allowed in the city. But there's no food in the city. If we go into the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. So there's only one option. The only one option is is to go to the enemy. Maybe they'll have pity on us. They'll take us as slaves. Then maybe one day they'll will be will be uh, redeemed. Let's go to Machan Aram. Let's go to the enemy. Now, if they kill us, they kill us. If they, if, they, if we live, we live. If we die, we die. Now, that's exa- that's our situation, right? If we stay where we are, how long can a person go without food and water? Four days, three days, five days, a week? Not so long, right? Two weeks? So they're going to die in a few days. If we go to Machan Aram, if we say, listen, hands up, we surrender. You know, so what are they going to do to us? Either they're going to kill us immediately, or they're going to l- give us food and then they'll let us live. They'll take us as slaves. So, and that's uh, and that's by the way, that's what they did until there was a great miracle and Machan Aram had disappeared. It was a big miracle, and everybody, uh, the whole Machan was uh, dispersed, and uh, the Jewish people were saved at that period of time. So the Gemara quotes this pasuk. To say as follows, you see from here, you see from here that what? That you're allowed to risk the few days they had left, even though by throwing themselves, by giving themselves up to Machan Aram, they would have possibly died immediately, but also possibly lived, lived for a long time. So you see that you're allowed to give up Chayesha, or to risk Chayesha, for the potential of Chaye Olam. That's how the Gemara says, well, that's why I meant, because there's a possibility that I'll live a Chay Olam, even though I may die miyad, I may die immediately. So they quote from, this, uh, from these four people. Now, of course, of course, you'd want to ask yourself a very simple question. What would be a question that you'd want to ask yourself? At this point in the Gemara, you'd want to, you read, you read the Gemara, you say, I don't know what the Gemara is. So you go to the Vinach, you say, oh, oh, that's how, now I understand the story. So what's a question you want to ask yourself? Why would it not be an appropriate analogy? I mean, wars could be different. So, the first question, exactly, the first thing you want to ask is, who are these guys? I mean, can you? I mean, this is what happened. The Nach is telling us what happened. So now, already they become uh, they become poskim. When did they get smicha? You know, what's the deal? Are they? Are they? Are the uh, halachic uh, experts on medical ethics and medical shilas? Who are the four guys? How come you don't tell me who they are? Tell me who they are, then we can talk. Uh, anybody can give a psaac, especially on such a sensitive topic. It's a funny thing, right? So who are they? So we're lucky. We know who they are. Chazal tell us who they are. Who are they? There was a man and his three sons. What was the man's name? Gehazi. Gehazi is an interesting uh, personality in Tanakh. The Gemara doesn't speak very fondly of Gehazi. Gehazi, let's remind ourselves who Gehazi is. Gehazi was the shamish of one of the great prophets in our history, Elisha Hanavi. Elisha Hanavi had a shamish, his name was Gehazi. Elisha Hanavi, remember the story? There was a, interestingly, the, the, the general of Mach of Aram had tremendous, ter- terrible leprosy, terrible saras. 
he was a leper and he, he, he used to go into all the great rivers and go to all the, all the doctors all the dermatologists no one could help him and one time his, uh, some of his servants said you should know that there's a prophet by the name of Elisha and he's, a, he's pretty good at what he does maybe you should go check it out she goes okay you know nothing to lose right so he goes to Elisha and Elisha tells him uh, you should go uh, go dunk dip in the uh, take a swim seven times in the uh, in the Yarde in the Jordan River what are you kidding me? I've been in the great baths all around the world, you know. And I'm gonna the, the river. Is this is this a better, um, you know, hot bath, um, medicinal uh, wash than, than all the all the doctors, all the places that I've been? And he walks away. And then finally, someone says, "Why not try it? What does it hurt to try it?" He goes, "Okay, I'll try it." He dunks seven times. What happens? He comes out like a baby's bottom. That's what the the the, 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 the knock says. He comes out. His his. His skin was as soft as a newborn child. Newborn child. Can't believe it. He's amazed. He comes back to Elisha. He says, Elisha, I now I know a big kid is Hashem. Now I know there's no God like the God of Israel. Wow. Nice. Listen to the Pasuk. Wow. That's something. That's something. He comes back with his entire camp. And they stand in front of him and he says, Look at this kid Here, take whatever you want. How much money? What should I write the, how much should I write the check out for? Right? So what would most of us say? Just, you know, nine zeros is fine, you know. Eight zeros, leave it blank, you know, just sign your name. You know, Alicia's a tzaddik. He's way above this. He's not interested in the money. He says, I'm not interested in this for the money. Keep everything. Just, uh, you should know that uh, God, like you said, there is no God like the God, uh, like the God of Israel. I'm going to take money from you, from such a great person. I'm not interested. Gehazi hears this. And Gehazi says, this is an opportunity. So when Naaman starts to move away, I guess he's probably a few miles down, away from Elisha, because running after him, and then Naaman gets off, and you just imagine he gets off probably with this big sword, because they have shalom, is everything alright? He goes, yeah, but you know what? My master, we actually would like something. You know, maybe you can give us a little gold, a little silver, and take some, take some cash, take some money. Comes back to Elisha, Elisha saw everything. Gechazi, did he take something? He says, you made, I, well, was such a kiddush Hashem, you made into a chil Hashem? And he says, the tsaras of Naaman, should be yidbak b'cha, should cling itself to you and to your children forever. He walks out the door, he's Mitzorah Kasholek. Mitzorah Kasholek. Bad decision on Gechazi's part. Bad decision. So, this is, a, this is the parak before the, the siege of, 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 Aram, of Aram. So, you, have, you wonder, like, what about all the goodwill between. I'm not sure if Naaman was still the general. I don't know how long after it was. But our Aram now is at war with, with Shomron. So that's another interesting. Can't trust the. You know, even if you help your enemy, he's still going to come after you, right? You can treat the terrorist in the hospital, and then you let him out, and then he blows up something. It's an amazing thing. But you treat him in the hospital, you treat the whole family in the hospital. Thank you very much. They walk out, and they're, and, and, and they're suicide bomber. So that's, that's the life, that's the world that's no different. That's the world that we live in, right? Fine. Good. So now what happens? So now what happens? These four Chevra, four Mitzorayim, the Mitzorayim, that's 
Gechazi, Ushloshes Barav, he says, Saras Nama Yidbach Becha U Bizarach Olam. So they're the ones who make this decision. So now you tell me. So now, not only learning, we're learning a halacha not from four people that we don't know, we're learning a halacha from four people that we do know. So, and Chazal, in addition to Gechazi being um, someone who was trying to take advantage of what was a Kiddush Hashem, making it into a big Chilla Hashem, Chazal tells us he's one of these people that have a special, special place in, uh, in rabbinic lore. There's not very few people like this. Usually we assume, Kol Yisrael There's very few exceptions to that. Who are the exceptions? Well, I'll tell you one. Guess who? Gechazi. So we're now going to learn a halacha from Gechazi who has no chelik in Olam Haba. That's a little bit funny. Take a look at the third Maramakam Rashi on the Nach. On that parak says, Nashim Gechazi Ubanov. Gechazi and his children. Okay, so who are these guys? They're the Mitzrayim. But what more do we know about them? Gemara Sanhedrin Daftzadi Shloshim Olachim Ve'abo Had Yotos Elim Chelik Ve'olam Haba. There are four kings and four I'm sorry, three kings and four hediotos, four commoners that have no chelik olam haba. Malachim are Yeravim, Achav, and Menashe. Okay? These are high level Rishayim. And Abo hediotos, Bilam, Doeg, Achitofel, and last but not least, Gechazi. <coughs> so it's very interesting. On the one hand, this guy was, he was, Eilo chelik olam haba. At the same time, the Rishalmi says, he was, don't underestimate his amazing Talmudic scholarship, erudition. Amazing thing. You have someone who's a tremendous Talmudic scholar. Gechazi, the Yishami says in Sanhedrin, Adam Gibor Betorahaya. Terrible Midos. Ayin Tzara, Paritz Be'erva, He was an Apikaris with tremendous Talmud. You ever see such a thing? Absolutely. There's 100%. You have people who are Apikarisim, they don't live in Torah Misina, they don't live in Torah Misina, but they can learn up a storm. They can learn up a storm. I never saw this myself, but I remember hearing from of people that used to go to the, you know, walk into the public library in the 1940s, 1950s. Big scholars opening up with all the Gemara smoking on Shabbos. It was, uh, you know, it's an intellectual exercise where you can become a great scholar in Torah, but still be someone who's not Moda B'tchiyas HaMesim, someone who's Mechal Shabbos B'far Hesia. Okay, such a thing. So can you learn from, we're learning from him. Can you, are you allowed to even, is that, a, is that a, is it appropriate lima to learn? I mean, it's a funny thing. It almost sounds to me, in a certain sense, like this is a machlokas between Rav Meir and the other Rabbanim. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Rav Meir and the other Tanoim at the time. Rav Meir used to learn from whom? Alisha ben Avuya. Acher. Alisha ben Avuya was uh, way off, uh, um, uh, way off the path. Mechal Shabbos. We have all these medizonos and Mechal Shabbos. Whatever happened to Alisha ben Avuya? How would happen? But he's one of the great Tanoim. It's hard to imagine one of the gedoli hador mamish, the great Tanoim in our history. Alisha ben Avuya. He's quoted in Pirkei Avos. Alisha ben Avuya Meir. And he goes off and he becomes a Mechal Shabbos and Apikoris. So it's hard to fathom such a thing. Rav Meir used to, he says, yes, yeah, he's an but he's still a great Talmud Chacham. I'm going to learn from him. And you see stories in the Gemara Chagiga, Rav Meir is trying to bring him back. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to bring him back because, you, you know, you remember, the, remember that story? Rishabh is walking, he's, on, he's riding on the donkey, and he stops his donkey, he goes, Rav Meir, you have to go back and cast the Tchum. So he says, Shuv, and he goes, no, Elisha, Rebbe, you Shuv, you come back. And he's, of course, come back to Torah. He goes, no, no, by me it's too late. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm way, I'm way, I'm too far, I'm past Shuva. Yishev Ravu used to hear in his head that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would say, everybody can, everybody can repent but you. You understand? That was his own 
unhealthy conscience. You know, that was him talking to himself. He used to hear Mecharei Pargod in the subconscious. He used to hear it. Everybody can do tshuva. Everybody that sometimes we hear that. Eh, tshuva's for everyone. Me, I'm already too far gone. For me, there's no help. But uh, and the Gemara says, you know, the Gemara doesn't say this, but the Achronim say you, you can't. That that was the problem. You can't listen to such a voice. The Gemara says when a balabas tells you something, and you're in his house. So you have to listen to him. You sit over here, sit over there, you're going to sleep in this room, that's your house, I do whatever I want. A balabas can't tell a person to leave. Chutz say. says, no, I, I want to stay a little longer. I, I can throw you out. I guess if you're overstaying, I'm not sure how this works practically. But the Gemara says, Kol listen to everything the balabas says, Chutz say. tells you to leave, you don't leave, you have to listen. That's, that's the idea. When the balabas, HaKadosh Baruch tells Elisha Ben Avuya, Hashem can do anything he wants, but he's never going to tell a Jew to say, Leave. No, Hashem always. If you hear it say, that's you talking, not the Rabbanu Shlom. But this is a halacha here, no? So let's go back to halacha, right? Everybody's written halacha. Let's come back to halacha. So, how can you learn from these, from these four people? So, it turns out an amazing, amazing thing. This is a machlokas, Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach, and Rav Moshe Feinstein. Moshe Feinstein, and we'll end with this for the day. Next week, we'll continue and go into the details of the topic. Rav Moshe Feinstein says something unbelievable, as, as usual, says something that's different. That he came up with. He came up with his own Kiddush. Amazing Kiddush. How can you learn from Gechazi? He was an Adam Gibrat Batara, but he was, a, he was an Apikoris. He was an Eno Chelek Leolam Haba. So Rav Moshe says, We're not learning from Gechazi. We're not learning anything from Gechazi. What do you mean? It says, That's how we know. We're not learning from Gechazi. All we learn from Gechazi is as follows. The halacha is in such a situation, Rav Moshe talking, that if you have a the doctors, all the best medicine will tell you. You only have a few months to live. That's it. It's, it's over. It's not, it's, there is this one procedure that has not been proven. We think it can work, but there's a good chance it can't work, and it's so dangerous you can die if you go through this procedure. So you have a 50-50 chance. So the question is, can you, are you allowed to take that, you know, do you have, do you have, Really? Well, actually, that's an interesting question. Does the halacha say that and therefore I have to take that risk because of the possibility of chayolam? Or does it say you're allowed to take that risk? In other words, it's or Rav Moshe says, we're not learning anything from Gechazi. It's not a psak. All we're learning from Gechazi is as follows. What would a prudent, normal person do when it comes to saving their own life? What would people choose? So, would people choose? You have to ask yourself the question, what would I, what, what would I do? You know? And it probably makes a difference in terms of how old you are and, the, and your family situation at the time. I'm sure at different points of life you may make different decisions, but you have to ask yourself, what would I do? What would I do if I had three months to live and there's an operation, there's a, there's a drug I can take, it can give me another 25 years, but, but, you know, but then but I'm, I'm, I can die immediately. What would I do? So Rav Moshe says, what would people do? So the Gemara is simply quoting a story to tell us, look, this is what people do. You have a right, you don't have a chiyuv. And this is a place, it's interesting, where the psak is that it's up to you. Rav Moshe says the psak is that you have to make your own decision. Very often medical shilas, you don't make your own decision. The doctor tells you what you need to do for your health. And you can't say, I don't want... The person says, I don't want to, I don't want to have the procedure. 
What do you want? It's not up to you. What do you mean it's up to me? It's my body. It's not your body. We assume that the body was given to us as a because and take care of it. Take care of it means means we have to do whatever is the best. Now sometimes it's not clear. So if it's not clear, so we'll look at that. What's the best? What's the best, most significant proof that we have? What kind of information do we have? What's the best approach for my illness at this particular point? And sometimes, where you are in a situation where you have three months, a few months to live, we have a risky operation that can go either way. So what do you do in that situation? The doctor can't really... He's not telling you what's best. He's, this, this is, listen, these are the facts. This is what you have. These are the options in front of you. So do you have a chiv, do you have a chiv to not do it? Do you have a chiv to do it? The Gemara says, Chayishaloi chashinan. So does that mean, therefore, in this situation, we don't respect the Chayishah because of the possibility of the Chayolam, and you must do it? Rabbi says, no. Rabbi says, you have to do what people would do. So what would people do? You'll ask people, some people would say, I'm not risking my six months, and some people would say, I'm absolutely, I'm interested, I want to live another 30 years, if this is what the possibility is, I'm willing to take the risk. And you see that people make both decisions. So we're not really learning from Gehazi. We're not learning a psach from Gehazi. We're simply learning that this is also what people would do. People would sometimes say no, and sometimes say yes. If you take a look at the Igros Moshe, this fantastic Chiddush, how he learns the Gemara, that we're not really learning from Gehazi, because we're not learning from, We're just showing you that this is the Daso Inchi. This is what many people would take that path, would risk their Chaysha for the possibility of Chay Olam. Take a look. Now, it's an interesting thing. I've spoken to some doctors about this, about the sixth Maramaka of Moshe's Tshuva. Very often you have Tshuvas that were written uh, 40, 50 years ago. That 50 years ago, this was an open heart surgery where a person was literally in danger. Nowadays, they, they go, they're laparoscopy. They, you know, you're in and out in one day. You know, they, could do a, they, could do, they could open up a valve in two days you're out of the hospital then it was like a whole story was like, you know at, at Lahavdil it's like my father was in computers so my father was in computers the computer took up the whole room you know he, he worked for he was IBM and you know it was a whole room now what they have in your, in your, in, on your phone is, is, it does a million times more faster and, and more you know intensely than what the so it's the same thing you know everything's technology advancing so he's talking about the person had uh, some type of problem with his heart what is it what would you call that what would you call the, a, a hole in one's heart yeah so nowadays is that a big deal it could be, it could be, but it could not be. How about fifty years ago? It was a big deal, right? So he says, "But often, because who masukan, and he's in a situation where it's masukan." Shafi umdan derofim mumchim yomus bevadet isman kotzer. First, he's definitely going to die. It's short. But rotem lasses the tuach, but the stomachs are going plastic. They want to close up the hole with some plastic, you know, some crazy glue or something, right? So the omrim harofim shem yala hani tuach yofe. If the operation goes well, you can live another 10 years. It's possible for the operation, you're going to die immediately. So Rav Moshe says, the Indian, let's read, there's another tshuva, what Rav Moshe says as follows. I will end with this for the day, and again next week, we'll finish up with some details, and we'll finish up the topic. You see that line? Is it a rishus or a chiv? Is it an obligation? Or is it up to the patient?
Ramadan tells us two things. One, it's up to the patient to make this decision. Two, we're talking about a situation where the, the success rate is 50-50. He's not telling us what if the success rate is 90-10 in either direction. You're almost certainly going to die from the operation with a slight chance of, of living. Or if you're almost definitely going to live with a slight chance of being unsuccessful, that he doesn't talk about right here. Gets into that later in the Truba. And then if you turn the page, so he's asked our question, how in the world can you learn from Gechazi? We can't assume his actions, his approach was Apiderech HaTorah. Maybe it wasn't Apiderech HaTorah. Maybe he was doing what he wants. He didn't ask a Shaila. He says, no. In this situation, the Torah, the Halacha is dependent on what people would do. The Torah says, listen, there's some living up. What the Torah says, this is up to you. You have to make this decision. And there's no right or wrong decision. Everybody has the right to choose. What they feel is best. The point is, we see what people do. So we see from Gehazi that people would risk Chayesha for the suffix of Chayon. Okay, now really, therefore we say, you know what? If I didn't know that people would generally do this, I would say it's us, sir. You can't give up Chayesha three months for a, sl- for a possibility, 50% you might. You care about the three months, you have three months to live. Live, live as much as, and, and as most effectively and, and properly as possible. But, 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 but we see from Gehazi that no, people would make that decision. Oh, so then we'll learn from Gehazi that a person has the right to choose in this difficult situation. Yes, Adam. The only So which way would you... Let's, let's say someone has Yerushalayim. We're saying that for the patient who has Yerushalayim or not? Yeah, like so saying, let's say you have an enormous amount of Yerushalayim. So which direction should you go in? I still don't know if it's clear. No, I, I don't know if I'm saying to use someone who doesn't have a Yerushalayim as the example, even though it doesn't matter if it's for sure. It seems, still seems strange that you're using someone who doesn't even God as no one I see. So his... his I mean, his... Um, decision on what's important and what part of is might not be what the Torah would want people to be thinking. It's a good point. It's a good point. Okay, but he's still a person who still cares about his physical life. Still wants to live, and that's what's important in this situation. That's important. That's what Rav Moshe says. Very good. It's good thought. That's a good. I mean, he can't make a decision right now. This person. I mean, what? Given his health, he's given his health care But is, is, he, is he capable of making his own decision right now? Yeah. Right, so if he's capable of making his own decision right now, so then he's still, it's still in his hands by my uncle, so he wasn't capable of making his own decision. So then, that person, what of Moshe, I believe, says, that person has to make a decision based on what he thinks the, per, the patient would want. Just You may say, for me, I would go for the operation, but this person would not want the operation. Yes. Right, right, he was. Right. No, no, I don't think so. The difference is because in that situation. Well, the, no, no, but that's in, 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 not in halachic. 
from a legal, a legal, you can't treat anyone against their will. Halacha point of view, the halacha is that if someone refuses treatment, you knock him in the head, you put him in the ambulance, and you give him treatment. Our situation, I mean, I don't mean to really knock, knock him in the head won't help. But you put him on the stretcher, against his will, bal karcho, the same way if someone, you know, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You have to treat, unless, in this situation, the reason why we have the, op- the right, or the person, according to Roger, has the right to refuse treatment, is because there's a chayisha that's, that's in, at risk. Here there's no chayisha. The person's going to die right now. So he can't say, don't treat me. And plus, Rav Marshall also says, that if the treatment is clearly going to help, so then you don't have the right to make these decisions. The treatment's going to help. I just don't want to, I don't want Now, by the way, that's an interesting question about pain. I don't want to have an operation because I know the pain that this procedure is going to have. Can I, can I, can I choose to not go forward with treatment I'm definitely going to survive, but I'm going to have an enormous amount of pain. So we'll have to discuss those more those details next week. But at least what we know now is that we're not really learning from Gehazi. We're just learning that this is what people would do, and therefore it's a rishus on the side of the patient to decide, you know what, I want to keep the chayisha, I'm not willing to risk, that's fine. I want to risk my chayisha for the possible chayolam, that's also fine. Yes? Right, right, right. No, it's, forget about. I'm not, we're not interested in Yerushalayim right now. What would most people do? Right. You know, yeah, it's a good point. Right. Right. So, right. So, Geicha said we thought that these were four people who wanted to live like everybody else. They might have been Rishayim, but Rishayim also want to live. So, yeah, it's a good. It's a good discussion. Yeah. Last question. Not, not always. We have to get into more details. Yeah, we have to get into more details.